It's a tough act to follow. I want to think a little bit about this idea of guardrails. And uh, I thought I'd share a little story about a time when there were no guardrails. Because we've all got one. There was this time when I was driving along the Princess Highway. I was coming home from Geelong, back to Melbourne. And uh, I was going past Avalon Airport. And the, the, the air show was on, the Avalon air show was on and I've got three kids in the back seat, my three boys, Jack, Oliver and Charlie and I'm driving along and all of a sudden there's these aeroplanes going everywhere overhead and it's fantastic and I'm looking out the window and I'm saying, boys, boys, look out the window, there's like the aeroplanes and there's an air show on and it's fantastic and then up ahead I see there's like a whole line of cars who've all pulled off the highway and the drivers are all standing outside their cars and I'm like, brilliant idea, I'm going to pull off the highway, we need to get the free air show, it's going to be brilliant. So I pull off the, bogged completely and utterly bogged like the other 15 cars up ahead of me. So there was a, there was a moment uh, in my day where I went, oh, for the lack of guardrails. So I was completely and utterly bogged and I sat there for a moment and went, oh, no, 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 boys, there's nothing wrong. We're just going to watch the air show. Look out your windows wind the windows down, just going to sit here for a minute, complete and utter denial. Have I turned this one on? Complete and utter denial. So I wonder if there's been a situation in your life where figuratively you've gone off the edge and you've found yourself bogged, crashed into the guardrails, maybe right over the guardrails, where you've crossed lines that you never thought you would cross and you found yourself pressed right up against the guardrails or maybe crashed over them and found yourself in a ravine. Guardrails direct us and protect us, but sometimes we crash into them when we cross lines and we crash. So the question is, how can we get off the guardrails? The first one is we have to admit that sometimes we go into denial. Like I did in the car that day, I sat there for the longest time saying to myself, should get out of the car, should check that I'm actually bogged, just going to put it in reverse again and just say, no, bogged, should go and ask the other guy what they're all doing because I can see a tow truck way up ahead, just, just going to sit here a little bit longer because I'm sure I'm not bogged and if I just wait, I'll try again and I'll get out, no, still bogged. Telling the boys there's nothing wrong. Denial is a place that we'll often go to. The thing is, if you have actually crashed off and you've hit the guardrail of something in life, whether it's the words that you've spoken, the way you've used your body, the way what you've put into your body, the way you've treated your emotions, the way you've treated other people, the way you've told a lie, the way you've climbed over somebody at work, whatever it is, There are times when we've crashed into the guardrails and we are literally stuck there, bogged like I was that day, and we are saying, there is nothing wrong. Look at me in the sweet spot of life. And we are absolutely and utterly bogged, stuck, and crashed. And some of us will just chuck it into gear and just drive up the guardrail anyway with sparks flying everywhere and just keep going. Or like me, just sit and go, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine but sometimes it's not. 
is a saying that says there's none so blind as those who don't want to see. So the first part of recognising that you've crashed is getting out of denial and recognising that that's where you are. I think in the greatest showman footage that we watched just before, there was this beautiful moment where um, the main guy is sitting there and looking at this famous singer that he's been developing and spending time with and out on the road with and doing the show with. And, and he looks and he goes, oh, what have I done? He's probably been bogged for quite some time. He crashed over that guardrail. He crossed lines he never thought he would cross, cross a long time ago. And he's sitting there. And there's a moment where he goes, oh, that is where I am. And it's not good. I wonder if you've ever been in a place of denial. The second one is shame. We, we can actually go to a place of shame. So shame is a little bit different to just feeling a bit embarrassed. So in my story of being bogged, I was far too embarrassed to jump on the phone and ring Dave and tell him, how dumb am I? I just got bogged on the side of the Princess Highway. That was embarrassment, but sometimes we move to shame. There was a time um, in one of my children's lives, I won't mention him, uh, which one it was. You'll all play, play the guessing game. But one of my kids, every time he did something naughty, he would run and hide. So he'd run up into the backyard or he'd run into his bedroom and hop under his doona or he'd run behind the couch. And to begin with, I thought he's just being naughty and trying to avoid the punishment or the consequences of his action until I kind of unpacked it a little bit and realised he was absolutely stuck in shame. He was so ashamed that he'd done the wrong thing and we knew it. And his little head would drop and he would be so embarrassed and disappointed in himself and, and his lip would quiver And I actually had to work out that he's stuck in shame. It's not just being naughty, he was ashamed. And I wonder whether when we crash out over those guardrails and we don't want to ring at someone and tell them, it's not just embarrassment, it's actually moved to shame. The third thing I want to go into depth with today is this idea of recognising that we need help. At some point that day when I was bogged, I actually had to ring up the RACV and join the line of 15 others who were getting work through one at a time because it's going to take an hour and a half to get to me because there's a whole lot of them. And then the second one I had to ring was Dave to say, we're going to be late. But actually before that, I had to tell the kids in the back seat, yeah, there is something wrong. We're bogged. Silly mummy. But we actually have to ask for help. So let's, let's think a little bit about denial first. How do I turn that one off? Is that it? We are actually made to flourish. We are not made to bump along and scrape along the guardrail half broken. We're not made to sit in the mud not moving. We're not made to drive in the gravel with the potholes and think that this is the normal life. We're actually meant to be on the sweet spot of the road, going where we're meant to be going. We are made to flourish. That is how God created us. And so the idea of sitting in denial is not the place we're meant to be. So here's a thought. If more than one person has told you that you are stuck, you probably are. If more than one person has told you this thing's a problem for you, it probably is. If more than one person has said, yes, sweetheart, you're definitely bogged, I mean, firstly, sweetheart. But I had to pay attention when the guy came and he looked and he said, yep, 
you're definitely bogged. I probably was. So don't stay in denial. We're not meant to live in chaos. We're meant to be driving down the sweet spot of thriving in life. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said these words, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Not they someone else, not they long, long ago, but they us. To have life and life to the full, life in abundance, life the way it was meant to be, life thriving and flourishing, not life in the potholes and the gravel, holding on for grim life or bogged and not going anywhere. Shame. Okay. I've been dreading this moment. I've decided to share a story. Some of you may uh, listen to this story and be out this end and say, oh my word, she is the worst mum ever. And some of you may be down this end and say, that's her shame story? (sighs) Let me up there, I'll tell you some shame stories. So be generous with me. This is actually a story where I felt deep shame. I had my kids in the car. It's a running theme. (sighs) And they were a bit feral at the time. I love them, but yes, my children too get a bit feral. And they're in the back seat and we needed to dive in through the shops and grab something because we're on our way to the party and we hadn't gotten a card and it was all a bit out of control and it was all a bit crazy. And they were like, Mum, we don't want to go into the shops and we don't want to get out. And I'm like, fine, stay in the car then. I'll be two seconds. And I've jumped out of the car and I've run into Knox City and I've grabbed the card and I've waited and waited and waited and waited and paid for the card and run back out to the car to find another mother calling the police on me. Oh, (laughs) I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed. In fact, I was so ashamed that I didn't tell Dave this story. Oh, my goodness, one of my kids is sitting in the audience. What are you doing not at LifeWorks? shame. I didn't tell Dave this story until three nights ago. Because you see, there's there's like there's there's people out there who'll say, worst mum ever, and there's people out there who'll say, that's not a shame story. But you have to be me to understand that that was actually full on. I was so ashamed because I want to be the best mum. I never want to abandon my children. I never want to leave them. I don't want to be that mum. And there's a woman there calling the police telling me that I'm the worst mum in the world. And so I talked her down, worked it out, got into the car. We didn't go to that party that day. I drove home like this. And I carried that for ages, probably years. Every time I go to Knox City, I don't park there anymore. (laughs) I just don't because it, it makes me go hot. My temperature changes. My face goes red. I feel awful. And I go, I am the worst mum ever. Not, I made a poor choice. Do you see the difference there? Guilt versus shame. Guilt is feeling guilty, feeling bad about your poor behaviour. Shame is saying, I am a terrible person. When we had to go and dig Oliver out from behind the couch, oh, (laughs) when we had to go and dig one of my children out from behind the couch, in shame, we had to say, it's okay, it's okay, 
you're a lovely boy. You just made a wrong choice. We know you're a good boy. You just made a wrong choice. We love you. You're a lovely boy. You just made a wrong choice. And that's the difference between feeling guilty, which might be okay, because you you sometimes do make a wrong choice. You sometimes do cross the line that you never thought you would cross. But do not stay stuck in the place of shame. So one of my favourite people in the universe, apart from all my family and all those people here today, is Brene Brown. And she says the following thing. Shame is the swampland of the soul. We are not meant to construct a house and live there. We are meant to put on our gumboots and march our way out. We're not meant to stay bogged in the side of the road, stuck in shame, saying, I am the worst person ever. I am a terrible human being. I'm an awful mum. We are meant to say, I made a wrong choice. How do I get back out? For me, in my life, in my journey, Psalm 40 has been one of those amazing ones that I just keep coming back to. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. And he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what guardrails you've crashed over, no matter how deep the ravine is that you've smashed into, God can and wants to pull you out because you are designed to flourish. You might need to say, I need help. I want to tell you a story in closing about a guy called Peter. He was one of Jesus' besties. He hung around with Jesus. He hung off every word Jesus said. He was being grown to lead. He was being changed from the inside. They were as close as close can be. And there was this one time where Jesus had been arrested and was taking the track towards death and accusation and judgment and Peter was freaking out and he stops to warm his hands by a fire and someone says hey I know you you're one of Jesus's followers and he says no 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 I'm not and then someone else says hey aren't you one of those followers of Jesus nope Nope, not me. Must have the wrong person. And then someone else says, Hey, I've seen you. You're with the Jesus guy. You're with him, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm not with him. I've got nothing to do with him. I am not one of his followers. No. And I just think that he was, he just went boom across the line, smashed in over the ravine, stuck in the mud. And I probably imagine that he was, if he was anything human like me, was stuck in shame. So the story goes on. Later, he's gone back to his boat, back to his normal life, back to fishing because Jesus died. There's rumours that Jesus is resurrected. Jesus is back to life. They're out in their boat and they see Jesus on the shore. They came in and they landed. They saw a fire burning, coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus has started a little fire. I wonder if he did that on purpose to evoke the emotion for Peter. 
And Jesus says to them, bring some fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbs back into the boat, drags the net ashore, heaps of fish. And Jesus says, come and have breakfast. And Peter's probably going, sorry, don't deserve this. I am a bad person. I'm a terrible friend. I've stuffed up so bad. How can he even look at me? I have crashed out so badly. I never thought I'd cross that line and yet I find myself here. And when they finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Are we still friends? Are we okay? Do you love me? And Peter says, We're friends. And Jesus says a second time, Do you love me, Peter? And Peter says, You know I do. And Jesus says, Come on, Peter. Are we friends? Peter says, Yes. And Jesus says, Come on. We've got work to do. We've got work to do. I want to build my church. I want to grow the people. I want you in a part of it. Don't sit in shame. And, and when I read that, I hear Jesus saying to me, going to leave your kids in the car? You're not going to leave your kids in the car again, are you? No. No, I'm not. And I don't think he's doing it third, fourth, fifth time because he's mean and he's rubbing his no- my nose in it. He's doing it because he knows it takes a lot of effort to pull us out of shame and to re-knit our hearts. And he says to me again, you're going to leave your kids, are you? You're good mum. Come on. And I say, no, I'm not going to leave my kids in the car. I'm a good mum. I'm right there. I'm fully invested. And then he says, well, finally, let's get on with being a mum because we've got work to do. And it took a long time for him to dig me back out of that shame. Now, I've got other shame stories. I ain't sharing them. I've got other bigger ones, like juicy or whatever. I don't, actually. I just said that. (laughs) (laughs) But I wonder... I wonder what it is that Jesus is asking you, come on, get back on the road. Come on. You did a wrong thing, but you're not a bad person. You made a wrong choice, but you're a lovely boy. You made a wrong choice, but you're a good mum. You're not a bad person. You just made a wrong choice. Happy to go with a little guilt because it might help you to change your behaviour, but don't stay stuck in shame. Don't be in denial. Admit where you're at. Don't stay stuck in shame. John 8.36 says, if the Son of God sets you free, you are free indeed. And yet, what we as humans do is we go, bogged again, because it feels comfy. And then we let him drag us back out and then we cross the lines again and we crash out again because we think perhaps we deserve it. Because we think that perhaps we're no good. But the reality is, is Jesus sets us free so we are free indeed. So, if you've crashed, 
just admit you crashed. Put your hands up and ask for help. You might need professional help. You might need to get the tow truck to pull you out. If you've crashed, why don't you ask Jesus to pull you back out? If you're someone who hasn't yet considered asking Jesus to pull you back out, maybe today's the day because you were meant to flourish. You were meant to thrive. This is the good life you were designed for, not the crashed out life where you're stuck. And he has a vested interest in wanting to pull you out back into the life you were meant to live. You might need to get back on the road and wash off the mud because I think a lot of us drive down the highway just wearing all the mud from the side of the road. And we actually don't need to. We just need to shake that off, wash it down. You might need a wheel alignment or some more serious work. You might need some professional help to keep you on the sweet spot of the road. You might need some dints bashed out. Whatever it is, chase it down and let God bring you the healing that you need. You might need to re-establish the lines. So I was thinking about this idea of the bumpy lines. You know the lines, I'm going to act this out, ready? You know the lines that when you're driving along and it's really good and then all of a sudden you've hit those, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about? The the bumpy ones. They're the, the lines that warn you about the lines before you cross the lines. Maybe you need to build those into your life. Maybe you need to turn to somebody and say, will you be the bumpy line for me in this particular area of my life? Because I do keep crashing out and I don't want to crash out. Um, Maybe you need to do that. And lastly, what would have happened if as I was driving down the highway from Geelong to Melbourne with the air show going overhead, if there had been someone on the side of the road going, don't pull over, you'll get bug holding a big sign. Like, what would, how good would that have been? You know? Because actually, to be honest, that's what Cassia did this morning on this seat. She said, don't go down the track I went down. It is not the good life. And by being her being gutsy enough and authentic enough and sharing where she crashed, it might actually just stop someone else crashing. Thank you. What if we were more authentic with one another and said, you know what? I left my kids in the car once and it was the worst choice ever. And we were actually authentic with one another about the places in which we crash over the, cross over the lines and we helped one another to put the lines in better. You were made to flourish. You are of infinite worth. So why don't we get back on the road? Do whatever you can to recognise you've crashed over the line. Put your hand up and ask to be pulled out of the mud, out of the mud and the mire, so that he can put you on a firm place to stand and get on with the journey ahead. And last thought. How much better would it have been if I'd have been watching the road instead of watching the planes go ahead? Look at where you're going and know where you're going. As the band comes back up, these are my questions for you today. What's God saying to you? Where is he whispering to you that you might have crossed a line? Or what line is he yelling at you saying, don't cross it, don't cross it, for goodness sake, don't cross it. 
What's he saying to you today? What place is he calling you? Or if you are indeed bogged on the side of the road, stuck in shame, what if you actually let him do what I did and step a little closer? Do you love me? Yes, I do. Will you let me pull you out of the mud? don't know if I deserve it. You do deserve it. Come on. We've got stuff to do. We've got a journey to make. Will you actually let him step closer and ask the hard questions, pull you out of the mud, put you back on track, dust you off and let you live the thriving life you were always designed to live? Afterwards, we're going to have the the prayer corner over there and I'm going to hang around the front. Some others might hang around the front with me, Matt and different people. If there is a place in which you feel like you are stuck in shame... I would love to pray for you. Oh, that's awkward, isn't it? My time is up. (laughs) Come, come and pray. Don't lose that opportunity of actually doing some work. Thanks.